Welcome to Podcast Ed, the podcast of reimaginedonline.org, sparking the evolution of education choice. On this episode, senior writer Lisa Bowie talks with Sean Peterson, president of Catholic Education Partners, a national nonprofit organization dedicated to empowering parents and strengthening Catholic education. Hello, today I have with me Sean Peterson. He's president of Catholic Education Partners. It's a national nonprofit based in the Twin Cities area of Minnesota. Welcome to the program, Sean. Lisa, thank you for having me. Great to be here with you today. So we've heard uh, all about your involvement in education choice and wanted to find out more. So I'll start by asking you to tell me a little bit about yourself and your own K through 12 education experience. Where did you go to school? Well, I went to school at a lot of places. Um, my dad uh, has been in the restaurant business, still is in the restaurant business for, for over 50 years. And uh, so we moved a lot. I never actually attended a single school more than two grades um, in a row. So we lived all over the Midwest from uh, uh, Minnesota to uh, we lived in Des Moines, Iowa for a while. We lived in Sioux Falls, South Dakota, moved back to Twin Cities, moved back to Sioux Falls, and then ended up back in Minnesota, um, where I graduated from high school. So I have a very, <laughs> um, I was the new kid a lot uh, and had to make friends um, a lot. So that's kind of my um, my background. And I went to both Catholic schools and government schools um, uh, over my educational career. So I've, I've kind of got experiences in both worlds, which I, I think is helpful in this job. I can speak to both education systems. So which system ended up being the best fit for you? You know, I think overall, I had probably the better experience in Catholic schools. And I think for me, I, I think it's like, we know with all kids and parents, certain things, people choose certain educational experiences or schools for different reasons. I think for me as a kid that did move a lot and was always sort of the new kid every two years, Catholic schools, you know, tend to be a little smaller. And I think um, non-government schools have to do a little better job of maybe welcoming students because they're, you know, they're trying to retain customers, right? It's, it's a choice to go there. And so um, I had some good, you know, I had some good traditional public schools that I went to too and, and made good friends. But um, yeah, I, I, I think I would have to say that um, I probably enjoyed my experience when I came into a new school, uh, in a Catholic school. Um, and let's, let's be honest too, Catholic schools should be more welcoming, right? I mean, they should be modeling Christ and, and being, and being welcoming. So yeah, I, I guess overall, if I look back now, um, I would say Catholic schools, probably I, I had the better experience overall in. I hear you saying a lot of that was the sense of community that they provide. Yeah, I would say so. And again, again, I mean, that's what they're supposed to do. I mean, first and foremost, Catholic schools should be, um, you know, uh, places of joy, places where the gospel permeates it. um, And it it should feel like a community. It shouldn't just feel like um, sort of a a factory school or someplace they're just trying to get you from grade to grade to grade. It should be a very warm and welcoming place that, that creates and fosters community. Um, and so, yeah, I would, I would say I had that experience. I've, I've never really kind of thought about my own experience with that, with school choice, but 
my parents were, I was lucky enough that, you know, my, my father did well enough that, um, he was able to send me, uh, and make those choices, um, and pay for them. And so, um, you know, looking back, I was, I was blessed to have those opportunities and that's, you know, um, you know, I think maybe, maybe that's why a little bit, uh, why, why, why I do this work. I was going to ask what inspired you to become involved in the education choice movement? So, yeah, I was, um, like I said, I've never really thought of that, but I, I guess, you know, that might be part of it. Uh, the big part of it, I would say though. Um, so I worked in the Minnesota legislature for 13 years. I had the opportunity to work for, um, house leadership and for the speaker of the house. And then I worked for two governors in Minnesota as well in their administrations. And I think I saw the, especially during the budget process and some of those things, I, I really saw sort of the, the darker side or the unsavory side, if you will, of, of the education establishment and teacher unions and just the incredible power that teacher unions had and the influence in the legislative setting, both in terms of lobbying. So in Minnesota, interesting enough, so the teacher unions are the largest spenders in lobbying influence, and they're also the largest spender in elections. And so I think I learned early on um, seeing some of the backroom deals and others that, uh, you know, they did not represent children and families. They, they uh, represented adults and often those adults had competing interests with the children and families that they were, you know, supposedly should be working for. And so I think that was part of it. And I just started realizing that, um, by the way, I would say that that was also made clear to a lot more Americans during COVID. Um, Mm -hmm. And I can expand on that a little bit, but um, so, so I saw like just a lot of sort of backroom deals. I saw budgets grow and get bigger and bigger um, you know, Minnesota, for example, we, we spend, I think it's now it's like $23 billion on, on public education. Um, but yet test scores continue to decline, graduation rates go down, um, you know, reading and math proficiency get worse. And, and minority and economically disadvantaged children are suffer the most. And so mm-hmm. then I started looking at some of the results that non-government schools were getting, especially with those kids that really needed it most yeah. and, and got involved, um, got to know some of the, the Catholic school principals while I was at the legislature and um, some of our state's bishops and others. And I realized that these kids were doing so much better in Catholic schools and non-government schools. And those are the kids that need the chance the most to get a great education, to break that cycle of poverty. Um, and, you know, those parents just don't have the opportunities. If you've got money, you've always got education choice, right? Mm-hmm. If you don't have money, um, that's when you don't have choice. And so I think that really, um, my time at the legislature and just seeing a lot of the stuff that went on in conference rooms and in hallways and stuff just really made me realize that, um, you know, parents should have these opportunities and these choices and they don't have them in a lot of places. Right. And, and Catholic schools, I think really blossomed during the pandemic. You mentioned some of these kids who went to Catholic school 
and I'm I'm thinking not all of them were Catholic either. I mean, how so? How do they benefit there? We, we yeah, that's a, that's a good point. I mean, um, you know, a lot of like on the DC scholarship, for example, the majority of kids I believe on the DC scholarship, I I believe even the majority of kids in DC Catholic schools um, are not Catholic. Um, and so I, I think that, and, and, you know, a lot of, as I was growing up, even going to Catholic schools, I mean, I'm obviously Catholic, but I had a lot of friends in Catholic school that were not Catholic, but their parents, um, who were able to afford it knew that that was the best education in town. And so they were going to send their kids and give their kids the best opportunity they could. You know, if you look at statistics and results of Catholic schools in almost in every case, um, Catholic schools do a fantastic job, both, you know, it's like a 99% graduation rate. um, And that's across the board that that's not just for middle-class Caucasian kids. That's across the board. Um, You know, college attainment rate is I think in the high eighties, like 89%. Um, And so, you know, it's the proof is in the pudding. And um, Catholic schools have been d- doing an amazing job of educating uh, children in this country for over 150 years. Um, I, I would say my, my sort of tagline is, you know, w- with immigrant children especially, we, we brought kids from the boat to the boardroom in one generation, um, gave them an amazing education, um, and then they were able to go on and, and uh, you know, create a, a, a fantastic life for themselves for themselves with uh, a Catholic education. Right. And, and I've heard that uh, it said that we don't teach them because they're Catholic. We teach them because we are Catholic. Absolutely. Yep. That, that line is um, it, it gets used a lot, but it's, uh, as they say, it's an oldie, but a goodie. Um, and that's, and that's very true. It doesn't, a Catholic school doesn't look at someone and say, well, you're not Catholic. You can't come in the door. Um, it's no, again, it's, it's welcoming, uh, welcoming them as Christ into the school and then saying, you know, w- we want to educate you. We want to give you a great education. But with that obviously goes, you know, this is a Catholic school and, you know, we we've got certain values and morals and, and faith teaching that, you know, if, if you want to be here and learn the academics, um, you know, those things go uh, not only along with it, but they, they really need to be the ground, uh, you know, the, the, the grounding wire um, for a Catholic school. Mm-hmm. You serve as president of Catholic Education Partners. Tell me a little bit about how you ended up there and the origins and the purpose of that organization. Sure. So maybe I'll, I'll start with the, the second part first. Um, so Catholic Education Partners um, was was formed really with the idea that um, Catholic schools are the largest. If you, if you took Catholic schools, we're the largest school system outside of the traditional government school system in the United States. Um, and that's re- regardless of which state um, you're looking at. Um, Catholic schools make up the largest percentage of non-public, uh, non-government schools. And so um, there, was a, there was a point at uh, probably six, seven years ago now, um, 
Sister John Mary Fleming, who's a uh, Nashville Dominican sister, was at the United States Conference of Catholic Bishops, and she was the education um, director there at the at the Secretary of Education. And it was really her brainchild um, to start CEP, and then she obviously reached out some, to some others and talked to some bishops and others. And there, there was no, the, the feeling was there was no, we've, we've got the largest non-government school system and there was no Catholic voice for education choice. Um, certainly there was individual state Catholic conferences and bishops that were speaking about the issue, but there was no national organization uh, that was speaking on this issue. There was, you know, lots of, we have lots of great secular partners, um, you know, uh, in, in the field that have been talking about education choice for a long time. But there needed to be a distinctively Catholic voice to look out for Catholic interests, specifically things like religious liberty and, um, you know, to, to make sure that these programs that were getting passed, not only would they give parents opportunities and choices, but they would, they would ensure that Catholic schools could participate as fully Catholic. And so that was the idea, the impetus for the organization. And so really what we do, um, we work in subsidiarity with bishops, state Catholic conferences, um, Catholic superintendents in different dioceses, other Catholic organizations. And we work um, alongside them and, and we try to assist them. We, we let the local whatever the local Catholic ordinary or the bishop or the Catholic conferences, we let them lead on the issue. Um, And we don't go somewhere and work where we're not um, welcomed in or asked. Um, We haven't been turned down yet, thankfully, but, um, but, but we respect, you know, the, the bishops and their, their authority and their diocese. So we don't, we don't come in and start uh, working on things or start pushing policies unless they're on board with them. So that was really the idea for the organization. Um, got uh, f- founded around 2017, 2018, and we were founded originally with some uh, generous Catholic Family Foundation um, donations and some individuals who believed in our mission and, and were still supported that way. Um, and I joined the organization um, uh, a few years ago as the, the policy director, and then our um, our, at the time, our executive director decided she was going to, um, it was time for her to kind of move on. She had founded the organization and, and, uh, and uh, her name's Brittany Vesley, and she's now the director of the Colorado Catholic Conference. And so then I came on board and uh, two years ago uh, became the, the uh, president of the organization. Wow. Well, I'm sure as president, you're seeing a lot of trends in Catholic education and education choice. Uh, let's talk a little bit about them. I, I understand the Vatican also recently issued a statement about the identity of Catholic schools and uh, mentioned that having been a struggle among some of your schools. Can you explain that? Yeah. So, um, I, by the way, I was, I was very excited when this document um, came out and uh, and or heard it was coming out, and then then when it did, and then read it, and then I was I was not disappointed at all. Um, uh, it was you know very clear and and easy to read, which is not always typical of a Vatican document. <laughs> um, <laughs> at least it wasn't in Latin. <laughs> yes. Well, 
you can, yes, it's, it, you can read it in Latin if you wish, and you can read it in Italian, lots of other languages, but yes, it was, it was, it was very clear. Um, the language was very clear, easy to understand. Um, and I think on, I, I, I think on this document it was done like, it was really done on purpose that way to, to be clear. Um, I, I, I would say over the last few years, uh, uh, even, you know, decade, we've had some issues in Catholic schools. We've had some issues with, um, you know, uh, Catholic personnel, teachers and administrators, not necessarily, uh, living, um, uh, you know, or, or acting in a way that would be consistent with Christ's teaching, with church teaching. And, and that creates scandal. And, you know, not, not scandal in the way you might think of the, the Kardashians or, uh, you know, a Hollywood scandal, but, but uh, moral scandal, really, that, that if these folks are supposed to be teaching children uh, and representing the Catholic faith, then they need to, you know, try to live that faith and, and certainly cannot be living publicly in a way that's inconsistent with that, because that sends a mixed mixed. Uh, signal obviously to children, and that's that's really what we mean by uh, by scandal in the Catholic sense, in the religious sense, and so and then there were some cases of of, of schools themselves just having policies that were not consistent with church teaching, and so I think that started bubbling up and boiling over, and um, and that happened in Europe, and it's happened in the United States and and other countries as well in Canada, and and so I think there was just finally. Uh, the Vatican felt it necessary um, to come out with this document and clearly say that, that teachers and administrators and others, um, if they're going to be teaching in a Catholic school, uh, need to be Catholic, Uh, not, not need to be Catholic themselves necessarily, but, but need to act in a way that is not inconsistent with Catholic teaching. And then I was really excited about the document in particular because it reiterated parental choice. And that's right up in front, actually, in the document. It's it's one of the first things you'll read if you if you read the document. It talks about parents being first educators of their children. Uh, there was there was a document in 1965, uh, Gravissimum Educationis, and uh, that document was really kind of the first um, one of the first school choice documents. If you read it, uh, it says that parents are first educators of their children that they have not only the right, uh, but the duty to choose the education that they believe best fits their, for their child. And further it goes on, and this is the school choice part. It says that the state uh, not only has the, the duty and responsibility to stay out of the way of parents from choosing what education they want, but it also has the duty to assist them in that including economically. So that's where the school choice comes in. So love the new document. Um, I've been sharing it with lots of folks. I encourage people to go out and read it. You can get it on the Vatican website and read it in English. Um, and so uh, it's, yeah, it's just, I'm, I was thrilled when the document came out. It's, it's causing a lot of um, uh, positive stirring in the church on Catholic education. And, uh, I understand that helped inspire your your white paper. Tell me about that uh, document that you worked on. Yeah, so actually, um, 
it, it, I, I, I don't know if it's, oddly enough, we were actually working on this white paper. Um, we, we did, I did change a few things, um, or I would say re- reiterate a few things differently, but yeah, so we, we, um, we put out a, uh, about, oh gosh, a year and a half ago, I think we started working on this document. Um, and we, we really thought there needed to be, uh, I looked around for a lot of different documents that talked about, uh, I get questions all the time about church teaching on education choice, school choice and different forms of it. And I wasn't really finding anything, um, that I thought was comprehensive enough. So, um, we started back, this is when Brittany was still at the organization. We, we started sort of putting together, it was just going to be a small document, maybe about 10, 15, 15 pages. And we were just going to talk about church teaching on education choice and some of the different forms of school choice and, and a little bit about Catholic education. But then as we started writing it, um, I wrote it with a, a colleague that I used to work with at the Minnesota Catholic Conference, um, Jonathan Liedel. And um, he's a very, very good writer, writes for the National um, Catholic Register. And uh, so it's called The Catholic Vision of Education, Leading Our Children to Christ in a Challenging Era. Era. And really the purpose of the document is to give American Catholics uh, in one document, uh, really the purpose of Catholic education, and then talk about the great history of Catholic education in America, which, by the way, uh, predates the revolution. And then from there, we really wanted to lead them, introduce them to the concept of parental choice and why it's actually a principle of Catholic social teaching. And then kind of give them, um, it, it, then naturally it's a progression and a call to action to Catholics to support school choice. So it's, it's, um, you know, it starts out with the basics of what Catholic education is, the history, um, you know, a little bit of a primer on, Catholic, on um, school choice, and then how we can go out there and be leaders on this issue. And I understand it goes over all the different forms of education choice. Yes, we do. We, do. we, tried, to, we tried to introduce people um, to, uh, you know, um, all the different forms that, that education choice takes from, you know, individual, um, Minnesota's had a, actually, interesting enough, since uh, I think the late 70s, we've had an individual, um, um, some individual tax um, uh, type policies that allowed parents to deduct, uh, it's a tax deduction, to deduct private school tuition off their taxes. Um, but yeah, so it goes from tax credits and deductions for individuals. It talks about, um, what we call opportunity scholarships or tax credit scholarships, you know, where businesses or individuals can donate to a scholarship granting organization and then get a reduction, uh, credit on their taxes. It talks about, you know, just straight sort of vouchers, what those would look like. And then it talks about education savings accounts, which are really the new, um, they're really the new, I would say, the, 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 the new wave of school choice. And really, I think ESAs are, um, you know, they're kind of school choice 3.0. And, and they're really going to be the future. Um, 
we were we were involved this year with uh, with passing, um, uh, or I should say, last year it passed an education savings account in the state of West Virginia, which is just going to be transformative not only for for Catholic schools but for um, all non government schools and and for families in the state of West Virginia. So, yeah. So yeah, so we we go through all the different types of school choice to get, just to give people a little flavor for how each one works, and and you know how it might affect their family. Um, and I could add too, the church doesn't really, uh, I would say, the church doesn't really specifically, um, you know, promote one form of school choice over another, like we you know individual tax credits versus ESAs versus vouchers. But I would say that the church does. Um, it, it, it desires the one that that is um, that most benefits the common good, that most ben- benefits the most families, and is most equitable. And I would, say for 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 my money, that's an ESA or even uh, you know a straight voucher. Yeah, with an ESA, they can spend it. They have more flexibility, and they can spend on tuition and fees. But also, and and this is important for. Uh, children with unique abilities, especially um, tutoring or therapies, um, things they need to be successful. Yeah, absolutely, and that's and that's why I think ESAs are the way of the future because they they do help the most families and the most children, and give parents again uh, as first educators, it gives parents that that uh, you know menu of options. So that they don't have to just choose, um, you know, the uh, the appetizer or the salad or the dessert. It's like you can pick a little bit from each menu. Um, and I think that's what, you know, I think that's what parents want now. I think parents are really, I think during COVID, like parents really woke up a lot. Like COVID was obviously uh, tragic, um, but it was interesting some of the, some of the things that, the, that came out of COVID. And I think one of them was really waking people up to education choice and that, uh, especially with school closures during COVID and a lot of government schools just not reopening or teaching virtually, which, which set kids so far back. Um, and that the fact that Catholic schools stepped up and opened safely and did their job to educate children um, I, I think it's really opened people's eyes and, and a lot of people are taking a second look at Catholic schools, even in, especially non-Catholic families, because they provided their kids a great education during COVID. And then I think um, they, they really opened people's eyes to education choice that, wow, you know what, actually, um, why shouldn't I have the option of, you know, using part of my kid's money to go to a non-public school and then maybe I use a little bit for if they have issues in math, I can get some tutoring. And then, as you said, if a child might have special needs, um, they can use part of it for that. So it, I, I think it just starts making sense to parents and to voters um, that, that they should have options. Mm-hmm. Schools did rebound during the pandemic after years of declines. In fact, you know, some of them had to close. Um, in Florida, we have been more fortunate because we're very robust with uh, education choice programs. And so Florida has not experienced 
those declines, uh, it's been uh, somewhat insulated than some of the other states. But what did you see? What What do you think? What's, what was going on during the pandemic? What What happened overall? What did you notice? Yeah, so just, you know, for some context, yeah. So historically, so the, the you know, the high point of Catholic education was 1963. And then really every year after that, you know, it's it's dropped, it's declined a little bit. And um, obviously, you know, we, we were really nervous, actually, about, uh, I had been on a lot of calls during um, kind of the beginning of COVID with Catholic school leaders from all over the country. And there was a great deal of angst uh, and nervousness that, you know, we were going to lose a lot of Catholic schools, um, obviously, because at the beginning, they were closed. And obviously, with when you rely on tuition, um, you know, parents aren't going to pay tuition if their kids aren't going to school. And so, and we ended up losing a roughly, I think we lost about 100 Catholic schools during the pandemic. And I would say, you know, a, a fair number of those probably would have closed in a year or two anyway. They were kind of on the cusp and just kind of hanging on and, and, and COVID just kind of dealt the final blow. Um, but we actually saw um, in, in some places we saw an uptick in, uh, in enrollment by, you know, five, six percent. And that was because uh, Catholic schools, as I said, really stepped up and and met the challenge and said okay you know what we're going to reopen we're going to do so safely and we're going to get kids back to learning and uh when they started doing that a lot of the parents that were not satisfied with having their kids sit in front of a computer screen for eight hours a day said you know what our local catholic school seems to be open and they're educating kids um so we're going to switch and so far, we're seeing a lot of those families and children are staying. Um, even once the traditional local government school reopened, uh, they, they kept their kids enrolled in the Catholic school. So, you know, again, I think um, when you when you step up and rise to a challenge, I think uh, people reward you for doing that, and they see the good in that. So based on what you've been seeing, and, and I know you don't have a crystal ball, but <laughs> what do you think the future holds for Catholic schools? You know, I am really optimistic uh, about the future of Catholic schools. And uh, there's a really strong movement right now in Catholic education, and I'm involved in um you know, I talked to a lot of national organizations working on Catholic education, as well as state level ones. And uh, there's just a, a, there's a, a really good movement and, and energy and a collaboration, I would say is the best word, um, to really get Catholic education back to what made Catholic schools great in this country, um, especially making sure that the system, the Catholic school system, provides, uh, first and foremost, a solid faith formation. That's the most important thing that Catholic schools do. I will say the job of a Catholic school is to get a child into heaven, not Harvard. Um, but we also want to have um, maintain that, that very good academic education that Catholic schools have always provided. So um, I think a lot of us 
um, in the movement are part of that is trying to turn away. I, I think we've, I think some school Catholic schools and some of us, uh, or over the years, we've tried to emulate the, the secular too much. We've, you know, we've tried to keep up with the Joneses and really we've always had the better system. We've had better outcomes. So we need to get back to our Catholic roots. And really, um, I think this is going to make people take a second look at Catholic schools, whether they're Catholic or not. And then there's a, there's a large chunk of Catholic families in this country that, that homeschool. And I think they've sort of left Catholic schools over the years because they, um, maybe they weren't as happy as they, they should have been with, with, um, some of the things that Catholic schools have provided. And I think with this renewal, um, I think that's going to have a lot of those families, uh, coming back as well. So, so, I mean, at the end of the day, the, the church has to provide, um, solid Catholic schools, um, with Christ as the, as the very center of that education, and we've got to, you know, give people good academic rigor and prepare kids for their future. Um, and and we've, we've done this for 150 years, so we can do it again. And, and we are doing it today. Um, so I'm, I'm really optimistic about Catholic education. And I think that's what gets me up in the morning. And, 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 and part of that is, though, we have, to, we have to provide families with the means and the resources for all families not just wealthy families or upper middle class families, but we have to provide that for all families. And, and to me, the, the, the best way to do that is, is through school choice um, to allow them to enjoy a, a great Catholic education. So um, w- one of our board members always lays this out so well when he talks about, uh, um, you know, that, that there's really, there's two sides to the coin of Catholic education today, uh, or, and one of them is providing great Catholic schools and having those available for families. But then the other side of the coin is having school choice, that if you don't have the economic means to attend the school, um, it's just, it's not going to work. So I think these two things working together in concert um, I'm very optimistic about the future of Catholic education. Well, that's great to hear. And we appreciate having you, Sean. We've learned a lot today. So thank you for joining us and providing us all this valuable information. Oh, it was my pleasure, Lisa. Uh, great to be with you today. I would, I would love if people uh, um, are interested in more. Um, we have a lot of great resources on our website, and that is uh, can be found at catholiced.us. And would love people to have uh, come over to our website, check out our resources. Would love to have people sign up um, to get updates and um, our blog. And, and we're going to be doing some podcasts in the future with some with some great guests. So thank you for for having me today, and thank you for uh, what you do. Thank you for your work. Um, and, and the, in joining us in the, in the fight for, for school choice and education choice for families and, and children.